Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, aka the Bat Triple. And as always, I am joined by my partner, Hey, this is Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are continuing our dedication, our commemoration, our celebration of Afrofuturism as well as black sci-fi in Octavia, April. And tonight, Vincent has chosen for our review 2007's I Am Legend, starring Will Smith and Sam. And Sam. And Sam. Oh. Sam. Oh, Sam. (laughs) Oh, Sam. Oh, Sam. Alice Braga also shows up. Yes, yeah. but it's mostly <laughs> it really is. It's the Will Smith and Sam, the show. Will and Sam show, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I am Legend. Yeah. Our review: A man and his dog. A man and his dog, indeed, indeed. Um, that will be our review for tonight, as we are streaming to you live from the Video Content Factory here in Maniunk to you on YouTube, as well as on Facebook. Shout out to each and every one of you. Hello, hello, hello. Good evening, one and all. All right. Vincent. Yes, sir. I'm going to get right into it. Hit the ground running. Hit the ground running. You told me. I did tell you. Last week. You're about to say. You told me that, Len. Yes. I don't care what you are doing. If it. If it is not Michelle Mission related, okay, your job right. next week yeah. is to turn on Netflix okay. and watch Beef. Yes. That is what you told me to I, do. I did. I did. And I followed your instructions and to the letter. And? And I watched Beef. And? From beginning to end. And? End to beginning. And? That's a solid piece of television. It is a solid piece of television. And what a difference a week makes that now it is mirrored in controversy. Is it really? Oh, yes, yeah. It is because of one of the actors. Yeah, and it's 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 such a shame. It is. That it's kind of tainted with what really is a, 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 a an amazing piece of art. It dawned on me having watched Beef, which... And now that we've acknowledged the... The, the controversy. Right. Because no. there's a controversy, but it deals with the personal life of one of, of the, the actors. Secondary actors. One of the secondary actors. Not one of the leads. Right. The leads of this uh, 10 episode series. Steven Young and, and Ali Wong. Ali Wong. Mm-hmm. Um, which deals with the two of them coming, to get, uh, coming together, being quote unquote smashed together in a bit of road rage. Yes. And all of the anger, furor, and hijinks that ensue right after that. Yes. It occurred to me, having watching these 10 episodes, mm-hmm. that this show, in 10 episodes, roughly a little over 10 hours time, mm-hmm. has done what it took an equally great series such as Breaking um, Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. but it took Breaking Bad five seasons of 13 episodes of Peace mm-hmm. to do what this show has done, distilled down beautifully in 10 
crisp hours. It is it it is it, it is amazing. It is an amazing exploration of modern life mm-hmm. and sort of the existential dread that many of us face in yeah. this modern life. I really is. You told me that I had to watch. I did. Before I, did. I actually got an opportunity to watch it, that was last Tuesday. Last Tuesday. You told me that. It's been a week. Before I actually got a chance to watch it, at least, and I'm not making this up, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. at least five other people told me, yo, you need to watch me. Well, you know, again, it's that good. And I wish I had all of the fervor and and, and up for it because, you know, we love some good art here on the Michelle Mission. Well, you say you... you, you... Yeah, that's, I have to say my balloon's been deflated a bit because of, because because of yeah, everything else around it and the response. You know, in a lot of ways, and, and I really don't want to harp on this because this isn't really... It's never the crime. It's the cover-up. Yeah. So it's like really the response to it Mm-hmm. has been so disappointing and everyone has sort of gone radio silent mm-hmm. and and you know they're attacking people who are talking about it and and there's been nothing from any of the principals or Netflix so it's just been a little disappointing like I have to say it's still a great show and I, I it's it's funny because we haven't talked about it mm-hmm. <laughs> we're like like you know so I'm glad you watched it it's a great show. Like we're it's a great show, but I, I am a little you know. I know. I know Debbie Downer. Debbie Downer. Yeah, way downer. I know. Isn't it weird how of all of those recurring characters, Debbie Downer sort of still has that resonance from Saturday Night Love? Is that where Debbie Downer is from? You didn't know that? It was a certain day. I, like, I mean, I thought it was Debbie the, Downer. Yeah. Who, who like who was Debbie Downer? I believe that was Rachel Dratch. Rachel, who's Rachel? Rachel, Rachel Dratch. Rachel Dratch. Am I mispronouncing her name? I have no idea who you're saying. Rachel. Oh, uh, Rachel. You would know her if you saw her. She was a cast member. She, she was, was a cast member. Was that? She. She was um during the Tina Fey years. So maybe the nine. That's what Debbie Downer comes. Yeah. Out of? Maybe the nineties, early early two thousands. I thought the phrase Debbie Downer was a bigger thing. No, no, that was starting to love it. Boy, if only we had. If only we had it. And we are off and running. running. Farrell Blackwell is hitting us up in the chat um, saying that he hasn't seen Beef yet. He did notice that it's an A24 production and wondering, is it typical A24 surrealistic, hyper-emotional exploration of suburbia Asian life? Uh, Yes and no and more. Debbie Downer, 2004, Rachel Dretch. Okay. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But he's also saying that Debbie Downer was around way before SNL. I'm seeing that on okay. the as well. All right. I could have sworn, yeah, I thought of Debbie Downer was already in the lexicon. Uh, and now I don't know the etymology of Debbie Downer. Except Saturday Night Live put a body to put it. Put a body to it. But Debbie he Downer. was in the zeitgeist. Yeah. He was, was in the spirit. It was the spirit of the wind. We. And then they embodied her. They embodied her. As one does. And it, it, as Rachel Dredge. They appropriated. They appropriated. That's exactly from from the ether. 
Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. You think like, black people came up with Debbie Downer? We came up with everything else. We came up with it. The, so the started, we came up so, with So Debbie you say Downer. Saturday Night Live kind of Pat Booned it. Yeah, like, they Pat Booned Debbie Downer. Pat Booned Debbie Downer. That sounds right. Wop, bop, baloo, bop, a wop, bam, boom. All right. So what else is going on? We got an email, Vince. Okay. And what do we call our emails? Mrs. from Missionaries. We got an email from Craig Amerson. What's up, Craig? Hello, Vince and Len. I recently watched F. Gary Gray's 1998 film, The Negotiator. Okay. For the first time. That is the film that stars Kevin Spacey and Samuel L. Jackson, right? Maybe? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not. Uh, I thought it was a so-so action film with good performances throughout, but I couldn't help but be reminded of another film that I think would make a compelling double feature with it. And this, you will probably maybe agree or not. Okay. Bill Duke's 1992 Deep Cover. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Both films were originally written for white leads until mm -hmm. black directors were attached and changed the race of the main characters. While Duke rewrote his film script, it seemed to me that Gray and Samuel L. Jackson basically just uh, plugged right into a film that never intended to address race. Okay. But with Jackson as the quote-unquote man on the run protagonist against the mostly white police force, it injects the film with subtext that makes for an interesting watch. I was wondering what both of your thoughts were on the film and Mr. Samuel L. Jackson's wig. Sincerely, uh, Craig Amerson. I know for a fact that I saw The Negotiator. Mm -hmm. I don't remember one thing about it. I don't remember much about it. I remember liking it. Okay. I'm fairly certain Samuel L. Jackson always has some interesting hair pieces. <laughs> yes. He's like Nick Cage in that way. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But knowing what we know now, chances are Kevin Spacey is is sporting a piece of his own. Yes, in that film, so yeah. I'm not going to pick out pick pick on Samuel L. Jackson. Right. Um, I do remember that it was uh pretty like a good movie. Right. You know, like Eric Gray is solid. Yeah. Like, that's a solid Tom at the movie. And I think that I, I think that might be a good double feature with Deep Cover. Because okay. um, they're both kind of... Like, Deep Cover definitely has a little bit of a, a noir sense to it. Right, right. Maybe start with The Negotiator. Yeah, I would say. And then, and, and then we'll end with... Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's where I would go with that. I like it, Craig. Uh, Farrell Blackwell is asking, can we please get a segment intro for... Mrs. for um, Mrs. from the Mrs. So I, well, we will tell you one day. So everybody wants their theme music. Look, we were talking right before the camera started. You know my old, my only notes to any addition or or change to the show. Is Lynn does the vast majority of all of the technical stuff. I'm just, you know, I got the speed racer jokes. <laughs> <laughs> So what I, and I literally just said this to Lynn 10 minutes ago, is this going to make your job on that end harder or easier? Hmm. And it's not going to make it crazy hard. Okay. Then there you go. Try and come up with something. I'm for it as well. Um, 
they're pointing out that Samuel L. Jackson was a redhead in The Negotiator. I, I kind of remember that from the trailer. Okay. But it now is bringing to mind, like, okay, is that the strangest thing that we've seen Samuel L. Jackson sport on his head? Because I'm thinking of Jackie Brown. I was about to say, I think Jackie <laughs> Brown is, although the great white hope white wig is pretty amazing where he pretty is that where he's pretty much a don he's king? pretty much a don king guy but he's got this magnificent white Shot wig here yeah yeah okay that's pretty pretty remarkable okay yeah he's also got an interesting almost jackie brownish um uh uh uh, uh straightened hair in Oh, uh, what's that movie he does with Bernie Mac where they're the old singers? Right, right. Not Sons of Soul. Soul is Soulman? I think Soul, Soul Men? Men or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, and he does. I seem to remember that from like the post. Yeah. I remember an interview with him where he says that's part of his thing. I know. Like he gets wacky wigs. Yeah. So. You know who who is very interesting? Do you know the uh actor um uh Killian Murphy? Yes. He was Scarecrow in um, Dark Knight, yeah, yeah, star of um, the the Peaky Blinders, yeah, Netflix. He famously refuses to wear a wig. Okay, when he chooses a role, he, you know, figures what the hair is going to be, and then he will either grow or cut his. No, grow or cut it depending on depending on that. What it is, well, there you go. I I I, I, I am a fan of him as an actor. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of him. All right. All right. But thank you, Craig. And the obligatory, it is a shame that you got fired on your day off. Why was you even stealing boxes? Um, but speaking of theme songs. Speaking of theme songs. Then it's time for us to get into the top five. The top five. The top five. Indeed. Top five. Who's your top five? Five, ladies and gentlemen, where I come up with a list that Vince offers his scintillating commentary on. And usually the list is connected in some way to our movie that we are reviewing. It's a theme. It is a theme. Tonight we are reviewing I Am Legend. And in celebration of this film, which seems to anoint Will Smith as a legend before our eyes in character as well as movie star. It is a whole deal happening. Yes. I wanted to point out five Mm -hmm. other black actors Mm -hmm. who, to me, Mm -hmm. they should be legend. They should be legend. They should be legend. You can argue whether or not they are legend or whether or not they indeed should be legend. I believe they should. So this is I am a legit. Wow, that's better than they should be legend. How do you like that? How do you like that? That's that and Speed Racer Jibs. That's better. That's better. Why do they call it a mammoth car? Like they don't have the word for truck. <laughs> you ever think about that? 
Like, it's the mammoth car. Even as a kid, I was like, isn't it just a truck? Do they not have the word truck in Japanese? This is so strange. That's a pretty deep cut, kids. That's a speed <laughs> racer joke. That's a real deep cut. That's a real deep cut. Ask your grandfather. <laughs> the mammoth car. It's like, it's just a truck. Why aren't they calling it a truck? They have pet monkeys that they dress up like little boys, and they don't have the word for truck. What kind of strange place is this? Japan. I am alleged. <laughs> That's better than they should be legend. There you go. <sighs> well, anyway, this is why I only come up with the list. I'm going to let you name them at the end of the list. All right. Now, for this one, though, Vincent, I did a little something different. Okay. Because usually I come up with a top five. Yes. But this one. Well, name of the thing, actually. It is. Yeah. And that name fits. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But, but tonight, because when you're thinking about black performers, black actors, actresses that could or should be legends. Mm-hmm. You could be pulling names for days. It is true. To be honest. You really could. Right? So I've actually pulled six names. Okay. And the sixth name I'm going to go with first. Okay. This is to represent all of those who they should be legends. Right. But through no fault of their own, they never really got the opportunity. Sure. To showcase you know, their work. For the most part, the 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 top five have had one or two opportunities to showcase their, you know, why they should be legends. Mm -hmm. And then maybe they're just in getting other opportunities. Mm -hmm. But this is for this person represents those who you could see it in them. But they just never got the They never really got the opportunity to Okay. So this honorable mention our number six mm -hmm. is Paula Kelly. Yeah, Leggy Peggy herself. Leggy Peggy herself, who stepped onto the scenes in films in 1969 mm -hmm. with in Sweet Charity. Mm -hmm. And her last role on film was Once Upon a Time When We Were Colored in 1995. Okay. She was Leggy Peggy, as Leggy you pointed Peggy. out, in... Um, Uptown Saturday Night. Yes. She actually performed and was an, a chore uh, choreographer for very many television musical specials, including Sammy and Friends, which starred Sammy Davis Jr. Um, she was the co-choreographer of the BBC's production of Peter Pan. Okay. In which she also performed the role of Tiger Lily. Okay. Um, she would perform on um, the Richard Pryor show as well as on Broadway in New York, New York, where she did a duet with Gene Kelly. Nice. Himself. She performed a dance solo at the 41st Academy Awards for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang in 1968. Um, and she starred in the record-setting West Coast premiere of Don't Bother Me, I Can Cope um, at the Mark Taper Forum. But it really was from, uh, as Leggy, Leggy Pe 
Leggy Peggy that you could see, like she just pops off screen. She 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 pops. When I fell in love with her, she pops, man. Yeah. And then just to, she would go on to do roles in in the Spook Who Sat by the Door. Mm-hmm. She's in Soylent Green. I was about to say that we can do the. Uh, Charlton Heston trifecta. Since we're going to talk about Omega Man, mm-hmm. we talked about Planet of the Apes. She's she's actually great in Soylent Green. She's also in the and Andromeda Strain, mm-hmm. as well as JoJo Dancer. Your light is calling. So your light is And a lot of people don't know this about about um, Paula Kelly. She was nominated for an Emmy Award for the first season. Of Night Court, I was about, yep. where she played Liz Williams, the first uh, public defender mm-hmm. on that show. She did not return for the um, subsequent seasons. Do you know why? It was a money thing. Well, she just asked for a little bit of a rare. Right. She got nominated for an Emmy. That was that was a legitimate question because I I never knew why she didn't come back. It, she, it, and they and they don't speak of her ever, right? Because I do love Paula Kelly. I love I love. So Paula I Kelly. absolutely agree with you. All right, so that was our number six, and that was to represent all those. All, everybody who never got the opportunities. Never got the opportunities. Yes. All right. So now we go to number number five. Number five, who debuted on screen in 1988 in Beaches. Okay. And was last seen on screen in Christmas on the Square from 20, 2020, and that would be one Jennifer Lewis. Oh, Yeah. Jennifer Lewis should be oh yeah a legend yeah she began her her career appearing in Broadway musicals um, working as the backup singer for Bette Midler um, before appearing in Beaches and Sister Act in 1990, 19, 1992 she will go on to play famously mothers right thereafter in most of her films what what's love got to do with it. Poetic Justice, The Preacher's Wife, The Brothers, The Cookout, Think Like a Man, Think Like a Man 2, The Wedding um, Ringer. Um, she is known unofficially as the mother of black Hollywood because of mm-hmm. her many meatrical, um film and television roles. And she also voiced um, Madame Odie in The Princess and the Frog. That's right. Flo... In the Cars series from Pixar, I didn't know. I didn't know that either. I didn't know that uh, either. And she also had film roles in Dead Dead Presidents and Castaway. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, come on, Jennifer Lewis. Of course, I think the um, it it seems like the ish universe is kind of drying up now. But I really was holding out for Lawrence Fishburne, Jennifer Lewis, oldish shell. Hmm. To kind to finally give her the showcase, like a like a right, a pe- like a piece that's all her. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and it, she has so much energy, man. Look, look, the the like I, I'm I'm absolutely over the moon with the Shirley Ralph Renaissance mm-hmm. that we're going through because of Abbott Elementary. But I really want Jennifer Lewis to get a role like that. I know where like the entire world figures out that this jewel has been sitting here this whole time. You know, the, the, one of the, the best sliding door moments of doing our show was on our review of the color purple, 
where Denise James um, pointed out how, you know, she didn't really have a lot of time for should uh, um, Margaret Avery, Ma Margaret Avery, right, as as Suge in that movie, and she always wondered what that would look like if it was Jennifer Lewis, right, and. And the second she said that, yeah. we all were like, oh, damn, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Much respect to Margaret Avery, but. Look, look, I just mentioned Shirley Ralph. I suspect that that Claire Huxtable role, it was a, it was a fit, because, you know, Shirley Ralph was up for that, and, 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 you know, like, she and Jack A were vying for roles. At the same time, I think the 227 role was Shirley Ralph and Jack A. Really? Like, I didn't know that. Well, Jack A talked about the fact that Shirley Ralph won um, the Emmy, the, the the supporting actress Emmy, and the last person to win it was Jack A. Right. Off of 227. Right. And Jack A talked about the poetry of it because Shirley Ralph was up for that role. Oh, interesting. Wow. And I know... You, you know, like like the Claire Huxtable, and I don't know this for a fact, mm -hmm. but I know the Claire Huxtable role. It was a couple of them up for. I can see that, and and you you have to assume Jennifer Lewis was in the mix. Mm -hmm. So it really is, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, just just and and you know the day's not over. No, it's but, not. But yeah, no, I agree. I I one hundred percent agree. All right, number four. Number four. I am alleged. I am alleged. This is someone who we, black people, us. no, black people. Oh, black people. We're speaking for us. We're speaking. <laughs> we, were, we were the spokesman. After the last meeting, Lynn and I got the tap. Go ahead. We, black people, we see this person right. definitely as a legend. Right, and that would be Louis Gossett Jr. Louis Gossett Jr. So you don't think he, I mean, obviously he hasn't gotten the acclaim shooting. And, and that's what I mean. Okay. Louis Gossett Jr. who, who got his, uh, first appears on screen and then a raisin in the sun. That's right. In 1961. He most recently appeared on screen in a film called Three Months um, from 2022. He has a, a, two or three films that are already that are in production mm -hmm. for 2023. Now, yes, he is a man of much acclaim, over 200 film and television. Won an Oscar. Won an Oscar as Gunnery Sergeant Emil Foley in 1982 as an officer and a gentleman. Um, also won an Emmy Award for his role as Fiddler in the 1977 historic miniseries Roots. We, black people, definitively Definitively consider Louis Gossett Jr. and a legend. Right, right. But I contend that in much the same way that Sidney Poitier, Denzel Washington, Morgan Freeman, Will Smith, mm -hmm. and maybe only other... James Earl Jones, mm -hmm. the way that their names just ring out worldwide mm -hmm. as unabashedly a legend in everyone's eyes. It should be Louis Gossett Jr. should be on that tier as well. Yeah, it's it's it. And, and, and the the bad thing is. 
he was kind of positioned for it. Like, like you and I always talk about these waves of actors mm-hmm. and how when these actors ha- or are on their waves, they basically suck all of the energy out. Mm-hmm. Like nobody can basically make room for no right. else. And it really is that that period between Sidney Portier, frankly, you know, Howard Rollins for like a couple of years before yeah. his personal demons. Yeah, he shot himself in the foot. And then you, you know, Denzel. Mm-hmm. So like that kind of period in the early 80s, Louis Gossett Jr. would have been great. I think, you know, kind of, because here's the thing, kind of like Paula Kelly, the roles just were not there. Because the thing when you notice it is that him and he and Morgan Freeman are kind of contemporary. Absolutely. So they're coming up around that same time. So why is it that Morgan finds finds Elaine and Louis Gossage? Well, you know, no, he, he can't really. I mean, you're calling him contemporary, you know, and you just mentioned it. How he's in A Raisin in the Sun with Sidney Portier. Mm-hmm. You know, he plays beneath his, um, one of her, her suitors. They are, they're not that far apart in age. Him and Sidney. Him and Sidney. So in a lot of ways, he's more Sidney Portier's contemporary. Okay, maybe. Maybe. But you're right. You don't really start to see Louis Gossett as Louis Gossett until the 70s. Yeah, I mean, because it's not even like he got lost in the black exploitation thing, because he's not in a lot of those. He's films. not. He's not at all. You know, he's on the episode of Good Times as Florida's cousin. Did did he? Was it television? I don't know because did he get lost in the television cycle? Well, you you know, it's it's it's. I don't seem to remember him turning up that much on TV. I mean, right there, he's he's here and there. He's hit and miss. Yeah, he's on episodes, hit and miss. Um. I actually think he was on Good Times twice. I can see that. I think he, I think because he, remember, okay, no, he was Florida's cousin, and I think he's a recurring character because I think he plays it again. Right. Then he's 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 on um, Roots, as you point out. Mm-hmm. He That's gets the Evan. He gets the Academy Award for an officer and a gentleman. Right. And uh, then he does enemy. I'm about to say Farrah Blackwell just, which quietly has been on my short list. And in my mind for Octavia, Octavia April for like three years now. Mm-hmm. And then he's, he makes like nine Iron Eagle movies. Yeah. Remember? He, yeah. Remember he's like, yeah, it's like Iron Eagle 37 because he he basically becomes when Jason connect- Patrick leaves. Right. Yeah. He, yeah. He's the connected. He kinda, to. He kinda, yeah, that's right. Like, damn, damn, right. The Iron Eagle checks must be great. Louis Gossett is still making Iron Eagle movies. Because <laughs> we ain't thinking of them. <laughs> well, you know what? Direct the video hits. Right. Yeah. Like you're making off brand Top Gun. Like Iron Eagle was the most off brand Top Gun knockoff. Mm-hmm. And then they just kept making them. Was it a knockoff? Did it come out before? After Top Gun? It 100% came out after Top Gun. It was absolutely the the, the military plane porn <laughs> that was coming out. Okay, baby. All right. I'm in the service and I fly plane. 
I'm really heterosexual. And I have guns. <laughs> okay. Number three. Number three. Number three. This is someone that we have talked about. Okay. Here on the on the mission. And that would be I don't know if we ever given them the title of legend. Okay. That they should have been a legend. All right. This is me. All right. I'm with you so far. First appeared on screen in 1986. Okay. In Little Shop of Horrors. Most recently appeared on screen in the J Team from 2021. This would be Tisha Campbell Martin. Tisha Campbell Martin? Now I will contend. Tisha Campbell Martin? Tisha Campbell has had a good career. She's had a lot of she's had a lot of bites of the apple. Well, I I that I disagree. Okay. She's had a good career, mm-hmm. but the bulk of her career, of Tisha Campbell's career, the and the the fruits of her career that you think of. Mm-hmm. Or her, probably as a, uh, as a wife. Yeah, that's as a true. wife. The girlfriend. The girlfriend of Martin. Martin's yeah, that's girlfriend. True. You're right. Damon Wayne's wife. Yeah. Or part of an ensemble in a few, a few films. Yeah, you're right. You know, um, stealing scenes in the Boomerang. Yeah, from Eddie Murphy. Yeah, which is you know. First of all, she's a, a multi-talented, absolutely uh, actor, singer, yeah. performer, um, comedian. Yeah, and it, it has long been my contention that you know Hollywood missed the boat to develop a property around her, whether it be a film, whether or not it be a um, a television show. I would have loved to see. Um, Tisha Campbell as the lead in BAPS as good as Halle Berry is mm-hmm. I think Tisha Campbell would have killed it mm-hmm. I think um, Tisha you could Tisha Campbell easily could have done almost I'm sorry to say almost any of Whoopi Goldberg's comedic films well I mean that's she could have done any of them that bar is really low okay yeah. fair enough yeah. but I mean, I could have seen her in Sister Act. I could have seen seen her kill Sister Act. You know what I mean? But it, but you but you first have to give her the opportunity to raise her stature like that. Sure. And I think if you do, Tisha Campbell is Tisha Tisha Campbell should be our Lucy. Black 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 people, we don't have a Lucille Ball. I was, I was going. She could be our Lucille Ball. She should be. I was going to say, I don't understand why somebody hasn't given given her into Chino Arnold a, a girlfriend show. Coming out for Martin and the two of them. Coming out for Martin. Coming out from everybody hates Chris. Where coming out for yeah, where she would show up periodically. Well, not even then. Coming out, coming out for Little Shop of Horrors. Well, they, they, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I agree. So, do, but do so? Do you agree? Because your first connection no, 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 no. She, she's had visibility, but she hasn't had lead roles, mm-hmm. right? Which, you know, like you said, you and I have talked about that many times over the years. Happens a lot with black women, black actresses. Yes. So, but so yeah, absolutely. I see in the chat someone is suggesting that black people's Lucille Ball should be Regina Hall. Yeah. 
I push back on that because Regina Hall has been far more successful in film than Lucille Ball was. Lucille Ball doesn't get to television until her late 40s. And then she blows up and she becomes a super mega star. She's just an okay star. Right. She's not a star. So you're saying part of being Lucy is having a little age on you. Well, I'm saying I'm saying that if, 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 if Tisha Campbell was not destined to get the pop in movies that she deserved, mm-hmm. but definitely stood out in films, mm-hmm. much like Lucille Ball did in in her roles. Lucille mm-hmm. Ball it goes toe to toe with the Marx Brothers in one of those one of theirs movies. If she was not destined to get that, then coming off of those films, coming off of even just the drama of Martin, right. if someone can't look at that woman and to to, as you noted, to Tina Arnold, it doesn't say that we can't craft something around these two right. and give them a show where they can excel. That's the crime because that is the moment where she can take that divergence to becoming our Lucille Ball and thus cementing the legend status that she deserves. There you go. Now she's I a legend. Yes. I like it. All right. Who's next? All right. I, well, it's that it was that extra one. See, it threw you off. <laughs> oh, that threw me off. I, I, I really championed Fatisha Campbell, so I'm, I'm glad you were with me on that one. Number two. Number two. Number two easily could be number one. Easily could be number one. Interchangeable. Interchangeable. In fact, got her start in films in 1978 with "Remember My Name." Okay. Most recently seen uh, in 2022. In the Gray Man, okay, known for portraying strong-willed and dignified roles on stage as well as screen, and has received four Emmy Awards, a Golden Globe Award, three Screen Actors Guild Awards, as well as an uh, nominations for an Academy Award and two Grammy Awards, and in fact, in 2020, the New York Times ranked her. Number 17 of the 25 greatest actors of the 21st century. Oh, this sounds pretty legendary. It sounds legendary to black people. Yeah. But the world, I contend, has not bestowed legend status on two Alfrey Woodard. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with you. I, I, I think her name rings out. No. No, it doesn't. Not the world. Black people, yes. You just listed a billion awards that she's gotten. That's not us. You're right. You're right. I've listed all of those names and I've listed all of her accolades. Yet I contend that if you go to the average white person, even the average white quote unquote movie fan and said Alfre Woodard, they can't picture her. They can't picture her. They would then oh. say, see the picture. Just saying, everybody it looks like. No, no. I think they know the name. I think they 100% know the name. They are grant you if they if you put a picture of Alvy Wooder, CCH Pounder, and Viola Davis, they might have trouble like doing the matchup. No, but I think they know the name. I think they know. I think they could point to Viola Davis. You have a lot of faith in people. 
depending on her hair choice. She makes interesting hair choices too. I think, but I do think that they know Viola. If, if for nothing else, they know her. Oh, that's Amanda Waller. You know, so they, so they. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, your nerd stuff is showing right now. It don't nobody know her from Suicide Squad. Okay, maybe. but okay, go ahead, Alfred Woodard. But yeah. I don't think that they would know Alfred Woodard. Okay. I, I think the name that you think rings out, because I, I, I argue how strong Viola Davis are rings out, but it rings. It, it definitely rings. Sure. C.C.H. Crowder, we know ain't ringing. Right, 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 right. But the name that rings out when they think of black legendary actresses is, of course, Angela Bassett. It's Angela Bassett, right. Viola Davis, and yeah. Alfre Woodard is everybody else behind them. It's right, yeah. And Alfre Woodard should be singing quite as kept. Alfre Woodard should probably ring out even more than Angela, just on those accolades alone. Yeah, more than Angela or Viola. Yeah. Yeah. But she's, I don't think the world considers her the legend that it should. Yeah, and, and and I would say she has the opposite problem with Lewis Gossett. I think any kind of A-list role that would propel her to that, Angela Bassett or Viola Davis is getting it. Right. So she's got, she got to sit over there for all the people who have good careers, but not legendary careers. Because of Denzel Washington over the past 30, 40 years at this point. But I would contend that her, like you said, her career, she's all hey, legend. Hey, I'm never going to fight you, but so hard about giving these people more shot. All right. Let's see, bring like, I don't know, Todd Bridges. Well, that's our. <laughs> <laughs> he was on fish. <laughs> He was on the backdoor pilot of Granny. He did 50 commercials. He was on different strokes. I, and then he was on um, Everybody Eats Chris. That may be his entire filmography. Is it a filmography it's a, if it's your television? I think or, it's still considered it's still. I may have just named Todd Bridges' entire filmography. Well, you're missing the reality TV. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I am in it, it fattens up a little bit yeah, when you throw in the yeah. reality TV. But no, number one. Number one. He got his start in 1978, excuse me, 1976, in Find the Lady. Okay. Most recently seen on screen mm -hmm. in The Harder They Fall from 2021. Oh, okay. Recipient of such accolades as the NAACP Image Award, Satellite Award, <clears throat> and has received nominations... For A Drama Desk, Helen Hayes, Tony, Critics' Choice, and three Screen Actors Guild Awards. Okay. And I contend should definitely be considered a legend, even though we have bestowed legend status upon him. And that would be Delroy Lindo. Yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of, of these shows, uh, did you watch Unprisoned? No, I didn't. It's good. Really? And he's great. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know he was in that. Yeah, he plays the father. Oh, okay. He plays the father who has gotten out of prison. Oh, no, and no, 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 true. no. That's the show with him and... And uh, Kerry Washington. I, I've seen a couple episodes of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is cool. That yeah, is good. He's great. That is good. In that. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. 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 He is a guy... Oh, yeah, he's one roll away. He's one role. I mean, how, how long he got to be working? A man's 70 years old. Oh, look, I'm going to go back to Shirley Ralph. Shirley Ralph has been 
an absolute treasure since Dreamgirls, which is like, what, 81? Mm -hmm. She was a treasure on Moesha, and no one really noticed it. Like, she's there. Now, she's been on Abbott Elementary for a year and a half. Suddenly, the whole world realizes that Cheryl Lee Ralph is a magnificent force. One role. I mean, but Delroy Lindo has been in Malcolm X. Yes. Crooklyn. Yes. Clockers. Yes. He is the absolute only reason to watch The Five Bloods. Oh, that's not true, but go ahead. He, uh, well, it, um, the New York's Film Critics uh, Circle Award for Best Actor and the National Society of Film Critics um, agreed because they both awarded him Best Actor um, for his role in The Five Bloods. Yeah, but then you see that was the only reason to watch it. Go ahead. Okay. Well, all right. Um, he's killed it if you're a fan of the sequel to The Good Wife, The Good Fight. Mm-hmm. Everybody talks about how much he, him... And he he kills it on that show. Um, was Good Fight ever on network television, or was that just on Paramount Plus? I think it was just on Paramount. Plus. Okay, and that's what well, that's the problem with that right there. Okay, maybe that's yeah, that's the problem with that. He kills him Get Shorty. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I'm you're talking about one role away. Come on, man, West Indian Archie alone. I'm not gonna fight you over Delroy Lindo, but again, West Indian Archie is a supporting character. In the first 45 minutes of a three-hour movie that, you know, Malcolm X is on that list of things that people say they saw, but quietly they didn't actually see it. Why did you say that? Oh, you know, people lie all the time. Why was People lie all the time. Yeah, but people lie about Malcolm X. And they 100% lie about Malcolm X. Why? Because they were supposed to have seen it and then they didn't see it. And now it's 2020. Why didn't they see it? They just, it was too long. They weren't in the frame of mind. They weren't in the frame of mind. And now, you know, they're grown and they're PTA meetings and barbecues and and whatever's. And, oh, yes. And he was so good at Malcolm X. And then they stand over there and they freeze for like two seconds and they go, yeah, he was good in Malcolm X. Does anyone need any more punch? Wow. You're, you know what? I, I can't be the only person who notices this. People lie about stuff they've seen and or read all the time. You know what other movies? And I love catching them in my own mind. Like, I never call people out, but I hear like, oh, yeah, he didn't read that. You know you know what other movie is like that? It's a whole list of them. A whole, list, a whole list of them. But I can think of two. Go ahead. Selma? Yes. And A Wrinkle in Time? Yes. No, no, not a wrinkle in Tom. Really? Uh, yeah, I don't think a wrinkle in Tom people are people are shamed into. You didn't see a wrinkle in Tom. Okay. Now Selma, absolutely right. Which is why I always, I always start with. You know, I haven't seen Selma. Yeah, like because it seems like I should have. Mm-hmm. But uh, hey, well, especially when you're doing something like what right, we do, right, right. I feel like, like it seems like like you know, if I, you know, you just sat there and spent forty five minutes talking about the logistics of Jackie Chan in Cannonball Run 2. <laughs> you Clearly you've seen Selma. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's very true. Like you just sat there and talked about how they had to film his scenes separately. And it's, like you just talked about Jackie Chan in Cannonball Run 2. 
Clearly, you've seen some of them. But I have. Heck, he can't, can't see. But I have. Oh yeah, I, I haven't. Can't see. I haven't seen it. I feel bad. Just haven't seen it. Just got to confess up to Look. Look. I, 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 I definitely agree with you. You I know what? I think Malcolm X was Omar Dorsey. The first or second time we were talking to Omar Dorsey, and, and I don't think this is talking out of school, but he talked about his relationship on set mm-hmm. with Oprah Winfrey. Right. And, you know, he's just telling anecdotes about it. I mean, my God, it's Oprah Winfrey. Like, like if you get a chance to meet Oprah Winfrey. So, you know, he's, you know, talking talk about basically what a lovely person she is. Right. And I remember thinking, oh, shit, Omar Dorsey was in Soul. <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> that is a 100% true story that happened on this show. <laughs> Omar was talking about Oprah. Oh, you know, she's great. She's down to earth, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I remember I was sitting on my head and going, I did not know Omar was in solo. <laughs> because I haven't seen it. No disrespect to Selma. None. You know, everybody, look, I'm well on record. I love Ava DuVernay. I love her. I just, I just haven't seen it. We will. Right. So, I do think there are a list of things, and I do think Malcolm X is one of those things, but I 100% agree with you with Dora Linda. That he should, that he should be a legend. There you go. And he is not a legend. And he is not. Yeah, now I don't like you. I'm a legend. I'm a like that. That's a bad one. Boo. Boo. The worm has turned. <laughs> You're better about my choice now. All right. All right. <laughs> That's our top five, ladies and gentlemen. We call that the top five. <laughs> oh my God. Um, uh, Deborah Battle's talking about it's the people who lie about seeing boys in the hood. That's another one. I think, I think all of those 90s. Movies, oh, okay. Some like, yeah, like people say they saw them, and then when you talk to them and you hear them, it's like you didn't actually see it. I just well, I would have I would have not called Boys in the Hood as one of those, but I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too far. We referenced Friday when we said to Craig, "How do you go? How'd you get fired on your day off and you were stealing boxes?" I think more people quote Friday. Now I didn't agree with that. Actually watched Friday. I can see that. Mm-hmm. I can see that because so much of Friday has become part of it. The, just uh, right the Lexa Friday. I think a lot of people feel like. They did see it. Yeah. Because you kind of know all these little yeah. bits from it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I fair enough. All right. Fair enough. Okay. All right. That's the key. Why you would be surprised what a person can do with just a sense of love touch and a sense of sound. Six Degrees of Durville Martin, ladies and gentlemen, where I come up with two actors who Vince will attempt in six films or less to connect to Durville Martin, the hardest working man in black Hollywood in the 1970s. An actual legend. And in keeping with our theme mm-hmm. and connecting this to our film that we will be reviewing, okay. I Am Legend, mm-hmm. starring Will Smith, I have two other famous Smiths. Two famous Smiths? Yes. Okay. This 
it's going to be hard. Okay. Well, let's let you right. Let's dive right in. Who's the first Smith? Number one. Number one. And six films or less. Six films or less. Connect Derville Martin. Derville Martin. Two. Two. Dame Maggie Smith. Dame Maggie Smith. Hmm. So Dame Maggie Smith. All right. She is, of course, in the Downton Abbey movie. She is. Which you didn't see. She and she is also in. Guess it's not in those Harry Potter movies. She is. What 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 am I looking at her in? Then I'm Vincent. What are you looking at her? Dame Maggie Smith. Dame Maggie Smith. She's something interesting in the seventies. Is she in something interesting in the 70s? She's in quite a few things in this. What am I looking at her young? You, she is in a film that I think you may have seen in the 70s. She's in a few, more than a few films that I think you've seen in the 70s. One, I'm certain you saw. Dear Maggie Smith in the 70s would have been in? I'm trying to think about her age. I mean, she probably would have been in her 40s or 50s in the 70s. Probably 40s. So if it says 70s, what would a 40-year-old English woman be in in the 70s? I would have watched. You don't, you don't have to go that far back. What was she in recently? Besides Downton Abbey. Um... Her most recent role was, okay, besides Downton Abbey, she was in, she did a voice. She was in A Boy Called Christmas in 2021. Right. I know. Right. But she did a voice <laughs> of Lady Blueberry in Sherlock Gnomes. Yeah, that's not helpful at all. see her being put upon because of some nonsense going on. Mm. She's like in a school. That's why I went to Harry Potter. What was she doing that it was some nonsense going on? Mm. I, that's, that's one of the movies I'm pretty sure you saw. Was she in one of the Princess Diaries? One of the Princess Diaries? Let's see. Was she? Like, I know Julie Andrew. I am not seeing. Are you sure she's not? I'm not sure she's not. sure she's not in a Harry Potter movie? I didn't say she was or wasn't. She's in a Harry Potter movie, isn't she? I didn't say she was or wasn't. I'm asking you. Yeah, she's in Harry Potter, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. So, um. <laughs> All right. <laughs> She's in like all the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, Derville Martin is in. All right. 
Dervo Martin is in um Dervo Martin, uh, you know, make it a little interesting. Dervo Martin is in five on the black hand side with Leonard Jackson. Leonard Jackson is in Boomerang with Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy is in Coming to America with Samuel Jackson. Right. Who is in Jungle Fever with Haley Berry? Okay. Who's in X Men with um um what's Magneto's name? Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. Who's in um in an Harry Potter? He's not in Harry Potter. I'm mixing. No. Wait, who plays? Um, what's his name? Dumbledore. Yeah. Um. That is. Uh, oh God, what's his name? Michael. Something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I will go there. Who you thinking? Hey, who knows? Thing so. All is in the Harry Potter movies, because like I said, she's in all of them. It is actually sad. I mean, I guess it's not really sad. I've not seen those movies in so long. The Harry Potter movies? Yeah. yeah that's not sad. Yeah. So I'm just trying to go. Oh, okay. There you go. Um... I'm going to go a shorter path, though. Okay. No, that's not him either. Damn, this in Harry Potter. You are... Real, you're, you're going what seems like an easy route, but it's just hard. You're going... Give me... What else is she harder. in besides them damn Harry Potter movies? Okay. I'm, I'm not... I'm trying not to give it away. I mean, ain't no black people in Harry Potter movies. Trying to give it away, so let me give it another one. Yeah. Um, did you see the best exotic marigold hotel? I didn't. Did not. Okay. Did you see um, um, Dosford Park? I didn't. Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood. <laughs> no. Well, not coming up there. No. Okay. All right, I'm going to give it to you, but I'm giving I'm giving you. I'm still not doing the most easiest movie. All right, okay, but this is a this movie is still is a player is a layup. All right, what is it? Hook. Uh, is she in Hook? Uh huh. Really? Yeah. According to I am the man. Yep. Yeah. All right. She's Hook. Yeah. Oh, I I can I can see her now. Yes, she's in. I remember her in Hook at all, but okay. Um, Derville Martin is in. Shit, I'm liking Robin Williams movies. Oh, <laughs> really? I've got 
All right, then they'll go rob and go to the other star. Who, Dustin Hoffman? Yeah. Dustin Hoffman? If Dustin Hoffman says a Dustin Hoffman. Okay. Or the third star. Tinkerbell. Oh, I have no idea who played Tinkerbell. Played out. Who played Tinkerbell? Julia Roberts. Julia Harry Williams. Go ahead, because this thing. <laughs> Let's get this over with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Durville, Martin, um, Dick Anthony Williams, Denzel Washington, Julia Roberts. Hook. Hook. Yeah. Okay. So you got there. Yeah. Yeah. You got there. Yeah. That was ugly. That was that was ugly. That, that, that was not. I had good. to edit that up. <laughs> no, 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 we're not. Yeah. We're gonna leave that there, dog. So what was she in that would have been super easy? Sister Act. Fuck, oh, she's in Sister Act. <laughs> of course she's in. I was like, I see her. <laughs> like, why do I see her so judgy? She's so judgy. There are shenanigans, shenanigan. That she doesn't like. <laughs> because it's Sister Act. You went back to the 70s. I was like, I did. What are you I doing? did. Like, dog, you did. I not... did. All right, all right, go. Who's the next Smith? Give me the next Smith. Wait a minute. I'm going to give you some other layups. Uh, yeah. Because there was Sister Act. Yeah. Um, There was also, I don't know if you've ever, did you ever see the original Death on the Nile? No. Okay, so I, I wasn't sure if you said yeah. that, but she was in that. She was in California Suite. With Bill oh, Cosby and, Bill Cosby and Richard Pryor, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was in, now this one I know you've seen. Okay. Clash of the Titans. That was the first movie. Here's the thing, you can't really get to Clash of the Titans. There's nobody really in Clash of the Titans. Why not? Lawrence Olivier. That's his last movie. Yes, yes. I never. I, who remembers that Lawrence Olivier is in Clash of the Titans? Maggie Smith is in. Yes, Maggie Smith. <laughs> Lawrence Olivier. All right, all right, all right. Who's my next Smith? <laughs> that was that was real. Yeah, yeah. That was real bad. Yeah, yeah. Maggie Smith. Well, you couldn't pull the Harry Potter movie. I know. Why couldn't you pull the Harry Potter movies? He was so wrapped in Dumbledore. I have not seen. I could have went Alan Rickman. I was thinking about Alan Rick. You know what? I was thinking about Alan Rickman in Die Hard, but then I gotten confused. I was like, I think that's Alan Rickman. But yeah, yeah I was going Gary for- Oldman. Yeah, Gary Oldman. He's in that one, right? Because he's the werewolf uncle. Right. Yeah. All right, go ahead. You know what it is on the way home. I'll think of 30. <laughs> yeah, that's what Give it again. Give it yeah. again. All right, come on. Give me the next Smith. <laughs> next week, we're doing <laughs> give me Give me the next Smith so we can go ahead and, and, and put this dog to sleep. Like, I, I'm almost, Sam. I almost don't want to do this one because this one is harder. Just tell me what it is. We'll work through it. And six films are Just less. give me the name. In 15 Just minutes or less. Give me the name. <laughs> Matt Smith. Oh, um, Doctor Who? Mm-hmm. Means it's, 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 you should be able to do it. I, I, what is Matt Smith in? He's been in movies. What, what was the last movie he was in? Well, I, I'll tell you. I think this, I think this maybe gives it away. Though. Yes, what is it? He was in Morbius. How is he in Morbius? It was acting. Oh, God, <laughs> sir. All right, fine. 
Derville Martin. Did you see Morbius? No, of course I didn't. <laughs> but <laughs> Matt Smith is in Morbius. <laughs> Do you know who's in Morbius? Yeah, well, I noticed one person's in Morbius because I was just so happy he got a check. You know, I'm fascinated by this career he stitched together. I <laughs> see, and that was a person. Yeah. I know exactly who you're going right, to. You see. know exactly who I'm going to. <laughs> Because apparently Matt Smith was in Morbius with Tyrese. <laughs> That's terrible, but it's true. Uh, and Tyrese, <laughs> who should be a legend. Oh my goodness! Now I got to get this from Tyrese <laughs> to Dirk oh, Martin. All right. Tyrese. All right. You can do it. Can do uh, it. I know I can. I know I can because Tyrese is in Baby Boy mm. with Taraji P. Henson. Yes, he is. Taraji is in. I'm different. Taraji is in. Um, Hustle and Flow. Okay. With um, Terrence Howard. Right. Terrence Howard is in the first Iron Man with Samuel Jackson, who is, of course, in Mo Better Blues with Dick Anthony Williams, who is in Five on the Black Hand Side with Dervo Martin. Very good, Vincent. You got there. Yes. Yeah, so. I use Tyrese. <laughs> yeah, I saw a clip from Morris. I was like, is that Tyrese? Tyrese told his agent, I want to be in a Marvel movie. And his agent said, all right. That day. All right. This ain't a Marvel movie. <laughs> Sure, it is there. It's it a Marvel movie right there. Yeah. Marvel. All right, ladies and gentlemen, right. there you have it. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that was epic. Yes. That was yes. so much fun. Yes. Now it's time for our review of I Am Legend. We'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it. Nothing happened the way it was supposed to happen. Six billion people on Earth when the infection hit. I'm a survivor living in New York City. I will be at the South Street Seaport every day at midday when the sun is highest in the sky. Push them around. Eat, eat them. I'm not playing. Four! 
morning, Hank. Yeah, midway through the G's. Legend, a 2007 American post-apocalyptic action thriller. Loosely based on the 1954 novel of the same name by Richard Matheson, directed by Francis Lawrence from a screenplay by uh, Akiba Goldsman, mm-hmm. the film stars Will Smith as U.S. Army uh, virologist Robert Neville. It is set in New York City after a virus, which was originally created to cure cancer, has wiped out most of mankind, leaving Neville as the last human in New York other than nocturnal mutants. This is the third feature film adaptation of Matheson's novel following 1964's The Last Man on Earth and 1971's seminal The Omega Man with Charlton Heston. And it is Vincent's selection for this stop in Octavia, April, here on the Michaud Mission. Vincent, what say you of I Am Legend? Well, as you said, this is the third film based on Richard Matheson's 1954 novel of the same name. And I have had a frustrating relationship with the film adaptations okay. of this novel. The, the novel Richard Matheson, real interesting guy. If, yeah. if you're into science fiction and, and one of these, these names that really rings out yeah. in that science fiction world, um, wrote for The Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. uh, wrote some pretty famous episodes of The Twilight Zone, including uh, Terror at 20,000 Feet, mm-hmm. the, the um, William Shatner episode. Um, the the famous Steven Spielberg television film, Duel, mm. is based on his short story. He wrote the script to The Incredible Shrinking Man. Like, really one of, of these meat and potatoes classic sci-fi writers. One of the pillars. Of- one of the pillars of science fiction, really. And, and, and that's just a very abbreviated list mm-hmm. of what he has written. As you mentioned, he writes this novel... 1954's I Am Legend, and and the plot is, it follows uh, Robert Neville, who is the last man on Earth that has been overrun with vampires. And the whole novel is about him figuring out how to survive, he, you, you know, how to get, you know, murder the vampires, go on and so forth. After a series of plot events in the novel, um, we come to find out after he is captured, that the vampires are actually intelligent and they have begun to create a new society. Mm-hmm. And from their perspective, he 
is this genetic throwback. Exactly. Who, you know, because they're vampires, they sleep during the day, that when they wake up, this is someone who during the day hunts and murders them. And the last twist in the novel is you realize that this rugged individual is this, this sort of post-apocalyptic rugged man is the monster. Right. And he says that henceforth he will be the boogeyman, basically, that this new society will talk about and that I am legend. And it's a wonderful twist. You know, I've talked about this a bit with... um the writers in, in the Planet of the Apes series, you know, Richard Matheson, World War II combat that killed Nazis. So, you know, very progressive, sort of forward thinking. The book is a great rumination on prejudice mm -hmm. and, and, and how you have to understand the point of view of the other person. So on all of this, great little twist, everything. Gets optioned by Hollywood and Hollywood in true Hollywood fashion ignores all of that and says we, ju we were just going to make movies about dudes fighting monsters. Yeah, right. And well, in 64, they're looking for like horror stuff. Right. Well, 64, as you mentioned, Last Man on Earth um, stars Vincent Price right. as this Neville character. And and it's very, it, it's very hard. It actually, although it comes out in 64, it has a 50s feel to it. It's a little campy. It, maybe it's just Vincent Price. Yeah. Just the presence of Vincent Price. But for our purposes, which you have to understand, at the end, when he is overrun and, and he's killed, he gets hit by a spear and gets killed. Vincent Price proclaims that he is the real last man on Earth. Yeah. And that these mutant vampires aren't real people. So, you know, again, all of that, you got to understand the point of view of the other person is completely out the window. 1971, as you mentioned, the most famous version of this story up until this film comes out, The Omega Man, Charlton Heston, and, <laughs> and Charlton Heston is in full 70s Charlton Heston mode. Yes, he is. Always makes me laugh because, you know, I think when Charlton Heston turned 29, he just turned into like this middle-aged white guy. Yes. Who looks like a shop teacher. But he's like in full action mode, like it's action Charlton. Heston. It's action figure Charles. It's action figure Charlton Heston. As I said, I think these three films he makes: Planet of the Apes, Soylent Green, Omega Man. If you really want to know the id and the anxiety that white America was facing during this Vietnam civil rights um, Watergate period, mm -hmm. it's all in these films. Yeah, because the mutants or vampires for this film are a cult mm -hmm. of mutants made up of suspiciously young people where it's, they all refer to each other as brother and my brother. And this, and, and it's like black dudes with afros and white people with long hair. And it really is the last white man on earth versus soul brothers and hippies. Yes, it is very much. Also ends and he dies heroically. And, and you know, there's a hope that the people, the, the remnant of humanity can fight off these monsters. Mm -hmm. So again, this whole thing about the perspective of others, completely gone. I'm always a fan of this. I'm always keeping an eye on I Am Legend. Uh, this is a film that has always been in development. So 
as time went on and it was in development and, and people were talking about it and and I I, I kind of kept an eye on it, but I never had any real hopes for it because it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger is attached to it at some point. You know, I'm pretty sure Tom Cruise is floating around with like yeah. you kind of see where they're going. And when they land on Will Smith, mm -hmm. I still did not have many high hopes because this is 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 after Independence Day. This is after Men in Black. Yep. And and it's it's funny, you and I were talking about a month ago about Marlon Wayans television special, where Marlon Wayans last special talking about everything with Will Smith and Chris Rock and Jada Pinkett. And he joked about how much white people loved Will Smith. Mm -hmm. And said, White people love Will Smith so much, he's the only black man that could save the world in movies. So Will Smith playing this Neville character, you got the sense, okay, where well, they're doing it again. And if you look at the advertising, if you look at the um, all of the media around I Am Legend, it's very much Will Smith action hero mode. Yes. Like, you know, it's these beautiful pictures of him and he's got like this wonderful rifle and he's got the, the fatigues on and he's got a dog and mm -hmm. and it really is one man versus the monster yes yes and the film starts in that mode mm -hmm. like it's this beautiful opening scene where will smith and it's this decimated desolate new york landscape and he's in a muscle car mm -hmm. and he's got a dog and they're chasing deer because you know it's 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 like three years after this apocalypse has happened. Right, right. So, you know, everything is all grown up. And and I wrote in my notes, this is the most masculine alpha male moment I've ever seen on film, to the point where when he sees the buck he's going to shoot, the only reason he doesn't get the buck. Is because a lion gets it. Yeah, gets there first. And you know, it's it's. I think it's a well crafted scene. It's like like it's a nice popcorny yeah. movie, and you feel like you're going to settle in for this is a popcorny nice film. Drink, you get your big soda, you got your popcorn. Will Smith versus something against a green screen, right? But then the film starts doing something kind of interesting. Where first, you you know, the 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 mutants, the dark seekers, as they're called in this version, come out at night. Will Smith, as he says, is is in the military, and he's very <laughs> much a military man. An alarm goes off. Will Smith goes home, locks up yeah. the house he's in, hides in the tub. With the dog. Right. Cradled, looking very vulnerable, almost like a baby. Yes. While you hear these cries outside. And it's this very vulnerable shot of him. Mm-hmm. And then as the film goes on, you get these cracks in the armor where you start to see what it is like for him to be by himself mm -hmm. and what he's gone through. You learn that his, you know, he watched his family die in front of him. You, you, you know, the 
We mentioned something happens where, 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 you know, there, there's a scare where the dog runs into a building. Yeah. And, and, and there's this wonderful tight shot on Smith's face where he knows he can't go in there, but then he does go in there. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a beautiful sequence yeah. where he's scared. And that's when you start to realize that this is 2007. This is a post 9-11 movie. So that much like, and I just mentioned Tom Cruise, I think about this with War of the Worlds, where you have this sort of alpha male action hero. Mm -hmm. But now that they're making these big bombastic things informed by 9-11, you get a bit of acknowledgement of the trauma that goes with surviving <clears throat> these big events. Film goes on. Um, you know, the dog dies. The Sam. Sam dies. But slowly but surely, this Neville character is cracking up. And you realize this is a deeply disturbed man and as someone who knows the novel you start to think are they really gonna deal with this Neville character because you know um like you say he's a virologist he's he's experimenting trying to find uh a, a, a cure but part of the cure is he's doing the protocols he does animal trials gets through the animal trials he experiments on the dark seekers, these mutated humans. And it is very much a scene in a lab and he, he traps them and takes them in the basement and does all this stuff. Eventually you get another survivor. And in my favorite scene in the movie, you realize that this person that you've been with for an hour at this point, just how damaged and broken he is when other people are there. Right. And, and you, you know, there's a burst of, of, I won't say violence, but there's a burst in where he breaks a plate mm -hmm. and, and she's, and then in my mind, there's another disturbing moment where, where the little boy, there, there's, there's a woman and a little boy and the little boy is watching Shrek and Neville starts doing the dialogue with the movie mm -hmm. and the camera pans back and forth between the woman played by Ana Braga, who, as you said, doesn't have a lot to do, but you know right. she does what she's supposed to do, and the little boy, and the camera pans back and forth. And you can see this is not a man who is well. Right. Goes on. The film gets to the end where he has captured this female um mutant to experiment on and the film has sort of breadcrumbed that there's more going on with these dark seeds you know they don't spend a lot of time but there are these breadcrumbs you get to the end and just when you think they're going to go the the novel route mm -hmm. and say that he's the monster mm -hmm. the film blinks and you never get the full resolution that he's the monster the, the you know the, the the mutants come in and he goes out in a blaze of glory right and then that's the end but that's a theatrical cut because the original cut 
actually nails the ending where come to find out the mutants who've been chasing him all along have been chasing him mm-hmm. because he's been kidnapping them and doing experiments on them. Right. And that this final confrontation is about the leader's mate mm-hmm. who he's captured. Mm-hmm. And there's an alternate ending that they shot initially that shows them acknowledging this. Test audiences hated this because who could believe that Will Smith could be a monster? And they had to alter the ending so that with a theatrical ending, I think what you have is a solid movie. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I enjoy this movie. Um, obviously, I like the alternate ending better, but I think the the theatrical ending, you know, solid action movie on a scale of one to Men in Black or Independence Day, I give this a seven, eight. But I really wanted the alternate ending because that makes it a much more interesting film. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, I, um, first of all, I didn't watch, uh, what was the Vincent Price movie? The Last Man on Earth. I didn't watch The Last Man on Earth. Like I I couldn't do it. <laughs> um, I did turn it on. Right, right, right. And I, and I, you, I, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do this. Yeah, yeah, I can't do this. Yeah. Um, but I did watch the Omega Man. Okay. <clears throat> Enough to, and I watched the whole thing. But I, when I, in the midst of watching it, I remembered. Oh, I have seen this. Of movie. course, you have. And you're right. Charlton Heston is big brick chin, <laughs> straight. You know, action figure, G.I. Joe, Charlton Heston. Um, and it's, it's, it was a, it, that movie, that movie's a, look, I know you love it. That movie's a trip. That movie's a whole trip. I mean, if it wasn't for Rosalind Cash showing up in that film, I'd have been like, oh, I, I gotta, I gotta go. I'm sorry. I gotta go. This is just, He's just annoying me. He's totally annoying me. Like he was all by himself. It's like, thank God. Will somebody just shoot him? Like, like God, somebody shoot and kill him. He's just annoying. So I watched it. All right. So I did that part of my homework for this week. <clears throat> but then I watched I Am Legend again. And I remember enjoying this movie. Uh, and I remember being taken in by the set designs, as you said, mm-hmm. um, the, the, how they stage New York, mm-hmm. most apocalyptic New York. What I didn't remember though, I didn't remember that this movie basically starts off the same way for people who think that the beginning of HBO, the last of us is so novel. Mm-hmm. It was right here. And I am legend. Look. Uh, starts off the same way, giving you like it was a virus. Yeah, and this is why this virus, who that we're introducing, will work to cure cancer. Right. And three years later, and 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 when you put it that way, it's a virus to cure cancer. Well, everybody's going to go for it, right? Because of cancer is one of the most biggest um, uh, killer of, of men there is. Right. But then three years later, oh, it's all hell. But it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. And I remember being taken in immediately by Will Smith and his performance in this isolation. Will Smith being 
forced for the first time to really just rely on his acting. Mm-hmm. I And I contend that that is actually the case, even though there are people who herald his heralded even at by this time, his performances in Ali, um, his performances in the, I think he had done Pursuit of Happiness before this uh, as well. But he's bouncing off people there. And I think he's, you know, he's okay, you know. Um, but I think I think he's acting there. Mm-hmm. Here, I bought that Will Smith was Robert Neville in this place mm-hmm. dealing with these circumstances. Um, dealing, as you, you learn, with some very, very heartfelt uh, feelings of guilt in regards to how his family mm-hmm. um, is lost. Um and then that is just magnified by his, you know, seemingly failure in doing his part to save the world. You know, it's funny you bring up the whole, you know, Will Smith is the only black guy who could save the world. And like this movie is all about him failing right, to save the world. Right. And, and struggling to cope with that and all of that entails. And. I was taken in, I was taken in by that. I really enjoyed it. And you know, like outside of the Omega Man, this is not the first film that we have seen where somebody is the last man on earth. Right. Yeah. But it it's decidedly the first one where I really, really felt it. I think I felt it a little bit. I, well, I certainly felt it in the caverns of the world, the the devil and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that, that's not the name of it. The world, the flesh and the devil. Yeah. Um, but in this one, I totally did feel that isolation as he's roaming through the streets of New York um, and only having Sam, his faithful dog, um, to bounce off of. So I think it's a, a, a really masterful performance by him. And I think you're right. It is a smart film when you start to learn and and how the movie kind of like just slowly seeds the intelligence of these mutants, how they are learning to adapt with their circumstances. They're not quote unquote vampires Mm -hmm. in the novel, but they can't come out in the, in the daylight. Right. So they stick to the dark. Right. But they are taking, they, they, they have the leader of them has taken note of how Will Smith is capturing them. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, he, he figures a way to set his own trap to catch Will Smith because he, it Neville, because Neville is the enemy. Yeah. He is the, the in their minds, he is the antagonist, you know, with the, the totally different way. Totally like they are the heroes of the film, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so, and I and I love that I love just that seeding of them. I honestly could have done without Alice Braga's character mm-hmm. because I just love the dy- that dynamic there. But I I recognize that you needed her for expository reasons, if sure. nothing else. Um, and she, you know, she fits the bill. Mm-hmm. She does well. Um, but it 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 is so smart and you know you see everywhere that 
where they're going and you see all the dominoes lining up in this movie. And then if you're in the movie theater, you leave the movie with the dominoes still standing. Right. Because it never takes that turn. You see it coming when he captures the one mutant and then slowly over time he realizes that, oh my God, I have created a cure and this mutant is being cured, right? You can see there's a reason why the mutant that he collected was a female. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's a reason why you're, the movie wants you to see the light of intelligence in the leader of these mutants. Right. Because you can put two and two together right. and see that connection. Yes. You can see why he is adamant about getting to Robert Neville at the at the end behind this like plexi plexi get uh, mm -hmm. plexiglass where the the cured mutant is. Right. Right. You know it's you're just waiting for the the camera, the cut between the leader and the cured mutant. Right. But they never showed the cured mutant again because they totally screw the pooch on the ending theatrically. Yes. And then then just take this baby pansy way out mm -hmm. to seemingly tie everything up in a bow. And it just leaves what should truly be a legendary movie yeah. on the cutting room floor. Yeah. And, and, and again, it's like, I, I think that your domino imagery is so apt because it really is right at the end. Mm -hmm. it's, it, because it's again, the film does this wonderful job showing this man falling apart. Mm -hmm. And you know, I mentioned when 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 Anna Braga, Braga and the little boy come in, but the the moment when he catches the female mutant, and then he's taking notes at the end, and he says, you know, they are they're now, you know, one tried to come out against the light and and denied self preservation, and then and and he says, and the only reason I can think that this happened is because it's completely feral to the point where it doesn't even have self preservation. And then he says, no, what did I actually wrote it down because it's such a great quote. He says, um, he, he says that there's no, um, typical human behavior entirely absent and the camera lingers. Right. So that as the viewer, we've already put two and two together, mm -hmm. but you realize he's so far gone. He can't recognize love. Exactly. And when you've seen the film more than once, I'm all, I also pay a lot of attention to all of the pictures on the back wall. Oh, yeah. Of oh, yeah. all yeah. of the dark seekers mm -hmm. that he's been experimenting on over these three years, mm -hmm. which in the alternate ending, you get a real static shot of it okay. that it drives home. He is the monster who's been preying on these people. Mm -hmm. And as he said, you know, totally screws the pooch. I think the, the, the wonderful thing that has happened in the year since 2009 
is that anyone who's a fan of this movie talks about the the much better alternate ending right. to the point where part of the reason that I wanted to talk about it this month is that it was announced Michael B. Jordan is is putting together a sequel to this film, I Am Legend 2, where Will Smith is supposed to return as Robert Neville because they're now retconning it and saying that the alternate ending, is the which film. after he gives the female um, dark, dark seeker back to its mate, he leaves with them to this fabled compound mm-hmm. and thus lives, that that ending is now the canonical ending mm. of the first film. So we're all, like, they're, they're actually going to Bobby Ewing it. <laughs> like, like it, it was all a dream. It was all a dream. None of this actually happened. And I think that's that's fantastic. I'm so glad you said it because my, my one of my controversial takes, that now it's both of our controversial takes, you know, I know all the cool kids talk about pursuit of happiness or 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 you know six degrees of of separation if you're mm. a real hipster i also think this is will smith's best performance i do too i do i think will smith i've said i think will smith is a generally a solid actor but his charisma is what has carried him mm-hmm. he is acting in this film this is will smith the yeah, I will, you know I haven't seen King Richard, but I will take this over Ali. Oh yeah, and 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 everything you know, all that Oscar bait he was doing oh, for yeah. the past yeah. ten years. I think this is the seminal Will Smith performance. I've seen King Richard, and he's good in King Richard, mm-hmm. but he ain't this. Yeah, he, this he is one hundred percent excellent in this movie, and there's a. It's interesting because it it's almost it almost is Will Smith. It's the role is almost Will Smith because he Will Smith doesn't become like the big action star in movies until Independence Day. Right. Which is for all the Will Smithness of it, is an ensemble movie. Sure. Right? He just stands sure. out. Right? And in this film, he is just this doctor, you know, who who's trying to find a cure for for everybody. Mm-hmm. Almost like, you know, just part of the pack, part of one, mm-hmm. part of many, right? But then through circumstances has to become, you know, you know, you know, Jack, Jack right man, you know, right, right, right. You, know, you got got the he doing doing the pull-ups and the whole nine. And and that's who Will Smith becomes in the wake of Independence Day. Right. Right. And then after after he becomes super megastar, he has a, 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 a couple of tumbles. He loses his way a little bit. Wild Wild West happens. And then after that, a couple other films happen. And then he's just... Give me a reason. Finding, trying to find himself. He's on. He's searching for, out for Oscars, um, and he can't get out of his own way. In a la King Richard mm-hmm. in the infamous slap. That's Robert Neville. Robert Neville. It's he. He. He's. He's lost it. 
He's, mm-hmm. he's lost his way. He can't see what is right there in front of his face. He can't see love right there, right? Um, he's he's scared to go in the dark, knowingly scared to go in the dark. Yeah. Going there, but he's, he's scared as hell. And that's a, that's a powerful scene because when he has to chase Sam in the dark and he goes partway through the dark, mm-hmm. And he's ready to turn around. It's like, Sam, I got to go. Mm-hmm. I got to go, Sam. I got to go. Um, but, he, you know, he does still continue to defy. Said, that's a pow- that's powerful. Yeah. And that's, that's what Will Smith never got to or hasn't gotten to. Right, yet. right. You know, but Robert Neville got there in I Am Legend. It's all there in I Am Legend. Um, you don't see a lot from him. His name doesn't really ring out. But I thought this that Francis Lawrence, the director, did a great job. Yeah, he's not even a name I know. I know. Like, because the other thing I forgot, this film is 140 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's a tight film. Yes. Yes. It's a tight film. And, 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 not 140 minutes. It's an hour and 40 minutes. An hour and 40 minutes. Yeah, this is under two hours. Yeah, yeah. And it... It is tight, but but as tight as it is, it does have moments. It takes its time. It it, it is it is. like when he goes down to the lab and you're seeing him work through the trials and like all the animals. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty lengthy scene to kind right. of set up like the like you you set up his whole home situation, right? And now you're setting up his lab situation. They don't cut any corners there. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like it, so, as tight as it is, it it's still it still breathes. Yeah, you know, it, it's really a good film. That is, it's a shame theatrically for all the the gymnastics that Michael B. Jordan might be doing if they are able to get that off the ground theatrically, which is. Let's say the most people have seen mm-hmm. that cut. It it it's a it's a letdown. It, mm-hmm. it really is a letdown, and I wonder if that is the difference between if that's the reason why this movie maybe doesn't isn't the standout in his filmography that it deserves to be, or just even the standout in his science fiction. Well, I think I think talking about Will Smith getting in the way of Will Smith. The irony is, now that there is a bit of tarnish on the armor, Mm -hmm. I think the public would be more receptive to this. Like, Like they talk about, like there was a very visceral backlash to the original ending because people really could not wrap their heads around Will Smith playing this morally dubious mm, mm, damaged character. Yeah. And, uh, you know, bring in the, uh, another text that I, I talk about. I think that's also part of the reason that when we talk about Tom Cruise, War of the Worlds doesn't come up. Because I think Tom Cruise did a similar thing where, again, you have these two marquee players mm-hmm. and they make these very post 9-11 films portraying these two men grappling with trauma mm. and I don't think the public really wanted to see 
Will Smith or Tom Cruise doing that. Like, this is not who we see them as. And, you, you, you know, I, th I think as time has gone on and, and, and things, you know, again, I, you know, but even with the slap, I, what I'm hoping is that, you know, frankly, they re-release this with the, with the alternate. original ending, you know, now that the, the, the sequel is, is looks like it's, it's really moving, but, um, I would think they'd have to, you think they have to, yeah. I mean, I would hope so. I would hope so. I, you know, the, the blessing and the curse is, I think this is a film that has been, kind of lost a little. I know, that's the same. Like, like people don't really talk, when you talk about Will Smith's filmography, even his popcorn filmography, it doesn't come up. But the, but even not even just Will Smith, like I said, I think for the genre right. of science fiction, post-apocalyptic films, like this is a movie that should be a a standout. Maybe, maybe in post-apocalyptic, I understand why it doesn't ring out as loudly because more, more people associate those type of films with more horror mm -hmm. tinge elements. And this is not, it's, this is not horror. Right. You know, this thrills. Right. It's some, some, you know, oh my God moments, but it's not, it's not horror, but it still deserves to sit on the, on the mantelpiece of, alongside the great look i 100 percent agree with you like like i think about um but i think but i think the reason why it doesn't is because it's that ending, the ending the, the ending i i think it i think the ending really flattens mm -hmm. the film yeah. it really flattens yeah. it and as i said and i do i think even with the, i think with that ending it is a solid popcorn film but I do think that if I have two hours and I'm going to watch an early aughts Will Smith kind of mindless popcorn film, you're not going to go to this before Men in Black yeah. or Independence Day mm. or you, you're going back to the 90s. Right, right. We just said, but yeah, but right. Just a will. Hey, you know, let's, you know, your kid asked you about Jaden's dad. Mm -hmm. oh, let me throw something on and let me show you. Who he really is. But like you said, I think the ending, the original ending, elevates it. Mm -hmm. So now you talk about it in the same way as a modern classic, like um, you know, Minority Report. Mm -hmm. Or or um you know, even depending on what conversations people are having, the matrix, like these kind of thoughtful science fiction conversations. I was thinking about the Martian. Or The Martian. Yeah. 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 So. So would you recommend that people see I Am Legend? You know what? Again, even with the theatrical ending, I do recommend it. But I even more strongly recommend, and this is something that we don't do that often because, you know, the alternate ending is just that. Like, we got to go with what's in the film. But because of of I'm going to follow the lead of the 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 film industry i strongly recommend that you watch this with the alternate ending mm -hmm. yeah yeah i agree i agree i think that if you're going to sit down to enjoy i am legend then you owe it to yourself to make sure that you are watching it with the alternate ending so you can enjoy the full 
breadth, not only of Will Smith's performance, mm-hmm. not only of the direction of, of Francis Lawrence, but also the entirety uh, of the story by Richard Matheson. Yeah. 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 Well, there you go. Well, there you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. That is our review of I Am Legend here on the Michelle Mission. Before we tell you what we're going to be reviewing as we close out Octavia April next week, I invite you to follow the Michelle Mission, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. Go to our website where you can hit swag and check out all of the cool designs and gifts that we have available for your buying and um, gift giving pleasure by way of our good friends at T Public. The We Show Mission is on all of your favorite social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Me Show Mission. On Facebook, we have the Me Show Mission Facebook group where you can get in and join the conversation about all your favorite movies and, and Hollywood topics. And if you want to talk to Vince and I, hit us. Send us an email. Email The Me Show Mission at M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. That's MichelleMission at gmail.com. Or why don't you just call us up? Tell us what's on your mind. 215-967-9666-867. Excuse me. Thank you, Dylan. Dylan over there with the correction. 215-867-9666. Call Vince and Lynn and tell us what's on your mind. If you don't, I'm going to give you a question next month for you to answer. All right? And I'm looking at you, Deborah Battle. I'm looking at you, Miss McKeeva. I'm looking at you, Farrell Blackwell. Don't call us. Putting out a question, and I want y'all to answer it. The Michelle Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network. The Podglomerate they make podcasts work. And you can also subscribe to us on YouTube at Me Show Mission, where we are putting up not only our shows, but we're putting up some edited portions of the shows, the top fives. We have Six Degrees of Durban Martin going up there. You best believe this one is going up. <laughs> um, and a whole lot more fun. Go to YouTube and subscribe. Become a follower so you can know when we're going to go live. And we have new videos available for you that are filmed right here in the Video Content Factory, Philadelphia's premier podcast studio. Check them out at thevideocontentfactory.com. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Michelle Mission, it is my turn, and I have a treat for you. Last week, we were in the 70s with Space is the Place. Yes, we were. This next week, we we're journeying back just one year, 2022, yeah. to a film that many believe is the direct descendant of Space is the Place, Ah. and thus the direct descendant of Sun Ra and the Orchestra. And that would be our selection, Neptune 
Frost. Oh. It was just the uh, name. I know. This is looking forward to this. Next week, here, right here on the Michelle Mission. Until then, he's Vincent, I'm Len, and in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. The Michelle Mission is produced by Len Webb and Vincent Williams and edited by Len Webb with co-production by Mo Poplar, music by Alexa Gold, and filmed at the Video Content Factory. The Michelle Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network. <laughs>